Am I on? Yes. Awesome. That's always a good start. How are we all doing? <clears throat> good. Ah. Ah. Okay. We'll see. Let them, yeah. Be praying for the technology. Anything? Okay. We're, we're persevere. Persevere without it. Enjoy church tonight so far? Good. Good. No, it's been good. Always great to come to the evening service. Always a real uh, blessing and uh, encouragement. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I think there are certain things about church that are probably non-negotiable. And um, I don't know if you have things about that. Maybe it's, it's great worship. You know, a, a top and gifted worship band leading us in our praise. Or maybe it's, it's a well-crafted sermon. You know, some, uh, a sermon that someone has put hours, if not days, if not weeks into, in some cases. You know, maybe it's community, that sense of community, that sense of, is it going to come up? How are we doing? Help us, Lord. <laughs> Maybe it's that sense of community for you. That's, um, is that actually going to come on? I'm just going to pray. I'm going to ignore it. Okay, so maybe it's that sense. Uh, I think. I c- yes! Praise the Lord. Thank you, Dave. Excellent. He may well have done. Okay, so maybe the non-negotiable, hopefully the visual thing will kind of add to the talk and uh, give you a bit of an idea. But maybe for you, you love big worship. You know, something like Soul Survivor, Hillsong, something like where it's really put, you know, really good quality in terms of musicians. Maybe it's that thing of preaching. Maybe it's that thing of community, a strong community. Actually, maybe what you love about church are the activities, all that goes on, such as in St. Michael's on the website but I think for me actually over and above anything else it's going to be it's going to be the presence of God in what we do it's going to be that sense of I think authenticity in what we do in other words is, is what we do is it real are we real with each other and are we real with God and is that sense is there that, that sense that God is here that God is present you know when God shows up in our worship, when we just know he's in the house or in the activities we do or he's speaking through the preaching, that sense that God is doing something. Now, I don't mean by that for me that, um, you know, I don't mean that um, we shouldn't strive for excellence in our worship um, or that we shouldn't uh, craft our sermons really well, that we shouldn't neglect doing that. But I think for me, it's that sense of actually through all those things, we are, we are seeking the presence of God. You see, I think that actually just being technically good at worship, just having really articulated, articulate preachers, I'm struggling tonight, having really articulate preachers uh, with really slick presentations is a, poor, <laughs> is a poor substitute for the raw power of God. Now, you're not in any danger of finding that. Now, it's not, ba- it's not a bad thing, is it, to, to want to be polished, to, uh, to want to do stuff with excellence. And some churches model that really well. But without God, 
without the presence of God, whose lives get changed? You know, who, who's going to be different as a result? What do I mean by the presence of God? Yeah, I'm making a distinction. In one sense, we all know that kind of God is everywhere, don't we? He's omnipresent. That's a good standard bit of Christian theology. But there is that sense as well of the manifest presence of God, where God is present to bless people, that as we gather, we worship, we have that sense that God is in the house. It's tied in with the Holy Spirit. We know he's here. We know he's present. In a way, God is, is present to bless us. Something that doesn't just happen within the context of church. And as Christians, I really believe that we are in the business, and I hope you believe this as well, that we are in the business of reconciling the world to God, aren't we? We're in the business of making God known. And I really believe that we owe the world an encounter with God. As a minister... My responsibility is to lead people closer to Jesus. My responsibility is to facilitate an encounter with God. Because it's him who changes lives. It's him who makes a difference. It's him who makes himself known to those who don't know him. So we need the presence of God. And the presence and the power of God are linked. Do you know, I think they're inseparable do you know, I think it's absolutely key that in our services, corporately, that we learn to value the presence of God. That sense that he's here, that sense that he's moving among us. You know, over and above the slickness of our worship, over and above our presentations, um, over and above our programs and what we roll out, that actually what we're doing is we are facilitating an encounter with God. We are seeking his presence. We are wanting to draw other people into that experience, into that reality. As I said, when we come in to the presence of God, we are transformed. The New Testament says this. It says, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yeah. When God is present, people encounter greater freedom. They encounter greater liberty, greater freedom in worship. Our love for him grows. Our passion for him grows. He frees us from stuff that holds us back. As God is present in worship, even unbelievers encounter his presence. Do you know more than that as well? As believers, we carry the presence of God. We carry the presence of God out into a broken world. Paul says in his letter, in the context of worship, that when unbelievers come in and the secrets of their hearts are unveiled through prophecy and that sense of the presence of God in our churches, that they cannot help but fall down and cry out, surely God is in this place. And that's based on this Old Testament prophet, where it, uh, prophecy, where it talks about in Zechariah how someone will take hold of a Jew, but it applies to us as well. And we'll say to them, surely God is with you. Take me to your God. And I believe as believers, actually, that, that's part of what we're about, actually. That wherever we are, we can take the presence of God with us into our workplaces. Do you know, into the schools we go to, the places we study, and into the, our social uh, clubs, sporting clubs. That actually we can take some and release something of the presence and the reality of God. And increasingly, as I go on in my faith... As I go on in ministry, I don't want to settle for anything less. I don't want to sell people short 
of the gospel. I don't want to sell people short of the kingdom. I will not settle for slick programs that do not bring about transformation in people's lives. Do you know, if God doesn't show up, I don't think it's worthwhile always. You know, there's better things we can do on a Sunday, isn't there? If God isn't in the house, if he's not meeting with us, if he's not changing and transforming us. As the people of God, let's not settle for less. I think the church in the West has settled for far less. I think we've had a lean diet for too long. And we need God. We need substance. We need our worship to be led by the Spirit. We need our preaching to be inspired by God. Do you know, as the people of God, in all we do in our programs, in our ministries, in our evangelism, we need to wait for God. We need to discern Him. Do you know, it's exciting, isn't it? The heart of the community stuff. Just how simple obedience. We're seeing God do stuff. And it's like that because we're responding to God. We're seeking his face, we're seeking his presence, and we're seeing the Lord do stuff. Is the presence of God a non-negotiable for you in your life? Do you know also, we're called to partner with God. I don't know if you know that. You know, we're all actually in the context of worship as well. Martin was saying earlier, it's not just Dan. It's not just him, it's not me who's preaching tonight or anyone else who's uh, contributing to our worship. Actually, it's all of us. And actually, God calls all of us to partner with him. Often, in contexts like this, as we worship God, as we seek his presence, he starts, he'll reveal stuff to us. He'll stir gifts up. He'll give us impressions of what he wants to do. He'll give us pictures. Do you know, God actually wants all of us to be players on the field. Do you know, I hope none of us are spectators because God doesn't want you to be a spectator. He wants you in on the action because he's gifted you. He's called you to get involved. Do you know, as we, as we worship together corporately, God releases gifts in this place. It's great to hear some of those stories about the prophetic, God stirring that up, insights into people's lives that encourage them just at the right time. Well, there are other gifts as well, such as healing. God has been releasing that increasingly in, in our church, really, over the last few months. And uh, you know, I want more. I want to see greater stuff. And, and God calls all of us to exercise gifts. It's not for the elite few. In the New Testament, it's the whole body who can be used by God. It's all of us who have a part to play, who are gifted. Do you know, I believe as charismatics and I'll end my rant scene that actually charismatic worship isn't just about putting our hands up in the air enjoying certain songs it's actually about seeing gifts at work it's about seeing the Lord at work in and through his people and making a difference in the world Amen? Amen. You know, worship's a powerful thing isn't it? As we worship we see the kingdom advanced. And uh, Jehoshaphat, he saw, as he worshipped, he saw battle won. He saw a battle won, not, without, not with military effort, but by worshipping God and seeing God show up and do his bit. And so often that's the way, actually, as we seek God's face, as we learn to value his presence and go after that, God shows up and does stuff in our midst. Battles we have in our own lives are won. They're overcome. Do you know, I also believe as well that in worship... Obedience is key. 
to advancement of the kingdom. You know, what we do, how we respond to God's voice. Do you know, I believe Jesus was one of the, the best model of the Christian life and of obedience. Was he not? I'm glad you agree with that. And Jesus said about himself, he said, I only do what I see my Father doing. And I actually believe in worship. As we do what we see God doing, we see more of the power of God. We see more of the kingdom come. That maybe as a worship leader, as you just take those steps to speak something out that God has laid on your heart, or you, uh, you know, sing a certain song that the Lord lays on you, or you lead God's people in a certain direction, that can just lead people into greater grace, greater blessing in the presence of God, greater depth. Do you know, in the context of worship, as maybe we just get a sense that maybe God wants to do something. Maybe God's given me a word for someone about a condition they have, and we respond to that, and we give that. We see the Lord come through and heal people. Do you know, for obedience, we see God's kingdom advance. An American pastor said this, uh, an American pastor called Jack Hayford, he said, uh, his dealing with humankind are flavoured by a self-insistent that he awaits uh, the welcome of human hearts who consciously decide they want him in their lives. The more we yield to God, the more of his kingdom we'll see. In other words, as we surrender to God, as we uh, allow, just give ourselves over, and then we act upon what we get, we'll see. You know, God, as it says in that quote, it's, it's something that he waits for our welcome. We need to be conscious about being obedient to God. We need to be conscious about welcoming him, welcoming his presence, welcoming his voice. The more... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, the more we cooperate with God, the more we're going to see change and transformation within the church and also with outside the church as well. Do you know, as Christians, as we get a sense of what God is doing in our lives, in our context, and what he wants to do through us, and we start to be obedient and we act on that, we see great things. Whether that's seeing gifts released in church, whether that's ministries of God, perhaps a sense that God is calling you to work with a certain group of people, and you get out there and you do it, you see God work. Or even in different levels in your workplace, that as you feel led to bring about the kingdom more, to show more of the love of God, to, go counter, to be countercultural, the more you'll see the Lord at work. Do you know, as Christians play their part in society more and reflect Jesus, the more transformation they'll see there. Do you know, historically, as people have responded to what the Lord has laid on their heart, people like William Wilberforce, they've seen great victories over time. Society has been transformed for the best. Do you know, our obedience has very real, um, very real consequences for us and for the world in our worship. Think about it. The more we try and get a sense of what the Lord is doing, the more we are led by his voice, the more stuff we're going to see, the more we're going to see him operate in this place, the greater signs, the greater ministries we're going to see birthed here, actually. And the more we're obedient outside of church and play our part in the world, you know, the greater transformation we're going to see in our nation and beyond. And obedience, really, it flows, out, it flows out of relationship with God. Our choices flow out of that love relationship. 
you know, it's important as Christians that we know the Lord, isn't it? It's important that we love him, that we invest in that one-on-one relationship with him. I think there's a noticeable difference in the lives of those who know and love Jesus. I think there's a noticeable difference in the ministry of those who invest time in that relationship with Jesus. Who don't just go on their own strength, but they have a love for Jesus that is that goes deep. And as they put aside that time, the outworking of that is seen in their lives. Do you know, God wants our affection. And we have a choice whether we're going to worship Jesus. When Jesus walked the earth, you're all looking at this uh, picture, and I'm going to explain it in a minute. When Jesus walks the earth, he exercised authority. He exercised authority over demons, over nature. He exercised authority over sickness. He exercised authority over lack, multiplying food. But what Jesus didn't do, and what Jesus does not do, is he does not override our free will. Our choices he respects. And we have a choice as the people of God to love him. We have a choice to follow him. Now, you can all see my daughter Joanna. Who thinks she's cute? Good, I'm not alone. And um, <clears throat> do you know, I've learned that I can buy her affection. By now, there's, you know, there's stuff I can do. If I want a hug or a kiss, you know, I can say, Joanna, would you like some chocolate? And, uh, and then if I say, can I have a hug? She's not going to say, she's not an idiot. She's not going <laughs> to say no at that moment. Okay, so I know how to buy it. But I tell you what, it's when she comes to me without that, without the bribe, it's when she comes to me out of, off her own back and gives me a hug or a kiss and says, I love you, Daddy, unprompted, that it's the most rewarding. And you know, it's like that with God. He's not going to override your choices. He's not going to make you or force you to love him. But he longs. He longs for your love. He longs for your affection. He longs for your worship. He longs for your obedience. But he wants that to come from you. He wants you to decide that, yeah, I'm going to worship you, God. I'm going to love you. God, I'm going to do what honors you even when people aren't around because I love you. I'm going to live a life that honors you because I love you and I just want to show you my love. Do you know, this is starting to touch on the heart of worship and what God requires of us. God doesn't want robots going through the motion. God wants our obedience in worship. He wants our hearts. He wants our love. He wants our devotion. Do you know, worship isn't just something as well that we do is it here on a Sunday when we sing songs but also as well our worship is what the rest of our lives look like throughout the week is it not you know there's a phrase that used to do the rounds a few years ago uh, in the context of worship saying life before the audience of one and uh, that's, that's the essence of our worship as well you know that, that the songs we sing reflect our lives and that throughout the week, Monday to Sunday, we try to worship Jesus by living a life that honours and glorifies him. Do you know as well, it's key, isn't it, that we guard against losing sight of him. That we guard against losing our first love as well. 
and first and foremost as Christians actually that we're lovers of him that's that's our primary call actually as Christians that we love him first you know before we do stuff for him we give money before we give our time our resources that we love him that that's foundational and I think there's a challenge to us in our culture with our British kind of stiff upper lip our reservedness that actually we learn to be extravagant in our worship that we learn to be unashamed I think both within the context of our own time with the Lord when we pray but also as well corporately that we shouldn't feel bad about responding to the love of God to the grace of God in our meetings do you know I think something that characterises worship as well is that worship can be a powerful response in the midst of adversity, in the midst of battle. Jehoshaphat, in our reading, saw power, didn't he, when he worshipped God in the context of war. He saw the effect of worship on his nation, on the outcome of a war against him with insurmountable odds, he saw God's power come through in an undeniable way. You know, Jehoshaphat, on the whole, he was a really good king. However, he had made mistakes before by not obeying God's voice, by being presumptuous about the way forward and not seeking God. Do you know, he was foolish enough to once team up with a guy called Ahab, who was a very naughty king and a worshipper of Baal. And uh, it, cost, it cost Jehoshaphat, it nearly cost him his life, going to war without seeking the Lord. It cost Ahab his life. And Jehoshaphat, he learnt the lessons. And this time round, his response to a threat is really interesting. He was forced into war. Rather than rely on military strength and might, he sought the voice of the Lord for a prophet. The, di- the direction he received from God prophetically was not a great military strategy. I don't think soldiers in Afghanistan are sent in with guitars, with rainbow straps, <laughs> bongos, are they? But in this instance, actually the Lord tells him that the response is to worship. And as he worships, the opposing armies that are set against Judah destroy themselves. And he had to make a conscious decision whether to, whether to do that, whether to obey God. As I say, worship, we need to make a decision. Will we worship, won't we worship? Do you know, and as we see worship, we see, do you know, we see God come through. We see victories. Our obedience in difficult situations, in battle, in conflict, is to choose to worship God. Do you know, Job says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be his name. Do you know, that's a really hard thing to pray, to give back to God when you go through a hard time, when you suffer loss, bereavement, where your hopes and dreams are scattered, perhaps. But there's victory in that. There's power in that. Do you know, 
I cannot help admire people who for really tough times turn to God in worship and praise, even if it doesn't change the odds or the outcome of the situation they're facing. Do you know, I think the victory is they continue to love the Lord and they continue to worship and despite everything, they know he's good. Do you know, so often as we turn to God in hard times, we encounter him, we encounter his strength. Do you know, disobedience, I think making the choice not to worship God can often rob us of the power of God, the presence of God in situations, that strength that, that carries us through. But when we turn to God in obedience, you know, we see great victories, whether it's in small or great things. Let me just give a little example. I had a driving test a few years ago. Felt quite nervous. Anyone feel like that on the day of their driving test? Yep. Start messing with you physically. That just me? Okay. Um, so nervous. Couldn't settle down. Tried to pray. Could not settle. I just turned to worshipping the Lord in tongues and pacing the house and just felt an incredible sense of peace as we do that, as I did that. And when it came to the test, just such peace going in the car. And as I drove out and poured out, just a real sense of the presence of Jesus released in that car. I think the best decision I made that morning in the midst of my anxiety, restlessness, was to worship the Lord. And a victory, not a massive one, but I passed my test, you'll be glad to know. So it was a victory. But even in situations like that, do you know, don't underestimate the power of worship. Do you know, something that was key to Jehoshaphat as well is that he listened, didn't he, to the voice of God. And that's part of the obedience thing, isn't it? That we discern God's direction, his voice, And faith, I believe, as I say with obedience, is based on relationship with the Lord. Do you know, too often, I think we can try and reduce faith in the Christian life to formulas. Maybe you switch on the God channels from time to time. And you see great promises that if you sow a certain amount of money, that it would be a lifetime seed. And you never again will have any lack that God would always provide for you. Now, don't get me wrong. We do have, I believe it's important that we give as Christians. And actually, God does honor our giving. And that's been the testimonies of many people here. But sometimes we try and reduce the Christian life to certain formulas and that God fits into them. Well, it's not that way. And the strategy that God gave Jehoshaphat there for for the prophetic guidance might have not been applicable to another war that he faced for example yeah do you know we need to discern what he's saying to us and not reduce not reduce the Christian life to formulas but rather relationship and in the context of relationship God will guide us faith is not a formula faith is relational I want to move us on to uh, a quote from Tozer. It says this, Out of enraptured, admiring, adoring, worshipping souls, God does his work. The work done by a worshipper will have eternity in it. Do you know, I think there's something about worshippers, people who set their hearts on worship, on being obedient to God, <clears throat> that they see God 
have a gr- having greater impact through their lives and ministries. Do you know, lovers in the kingdom of God, I believe, get more done. They achieve more. Why? Because I think the Lord honours those who seek first his face, those who seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And I know from my own life that those times where Jesus is number one, where I'm spending that time with him and pressing into him, I just seem to be doing more stuff in God's strength. God seems to speak through me more or work through me more. More of those kind of God incidences seem to happen out and about. Do you know, I think if we really want to be pro, you know, if we want to do great stuff for God, we really need to learn the value of being, living for the audience of one and pressing into that love relationship and loving on him because it's in that place, it's in that connectivity that we see the Lord do great stuff through us. It's in that connectivity, it's in that relationship that the Lord you know, uses, uses our ministry, uses our corporate, the corporate worship, uses our preaching, uses our friendships, our relationships, uses the acts of kindness with more effectiveness. Do you know, it's through that love relationship that God does great things. Okay, so you might be thinking now... <clears throat> Okay, Jimmy, God wants our affections and our obedience. I've got that from what you're saying. But I'm not sure you understand quite what I'm like. Or you don't know the mistakes that I've made. Or you don't know my areas of weaknesses and my frailties. Do you know, I really want to say to you, don't count yourself out as a worshipper. Do you know, I think it's really important that we do not let what's wrong with us get in the way of what's right with God at at times yeah is that clear because so often we come with baggage don't we before God and we find so many reasons why we can't come before God and worship him we find so many reasons why you know God couldn't use me you know those kind of things but don't let the stuff in your life get in the way of worshipping God because we owe God our worship you know he's so good he's so merciful And it's only through worship, it's only actually as we come close to God and we encounter him that we are changed. Going back to that verse earlier, do you know, as we come into the presence of God, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And if you actually, if you really want to be changed, if you really want to grow and produce the fruit of the spirit in your life, get closer to Jesus. Worship him, learn to love him, learn to get into his presence, learn to receive from him. He'll bring about the change. You know, get into your Bible, get into your prayer, and just exposing yourself to the Lord, that's what's going to change you. And I think we need to remember as well that actually it's Jesus who qualifies us. Do you know, we don't come, do we, before God in worship because we're perfect, because we're all sorted, because of what we've done. Actually, we come before God because of what Jesus has done. We come because Jesus died in our place. Jesus gave his life for our life. Jesus made us good enough. The credit for his perfect life that he lived before God, actually, that's transferred to us. And when God looks upon us, he sees that. And the gifts that God gives as well in worship that display his power. Do you know the New Testament, it calls them grace gifts. Why? What's grace? Getting what we don't deserve. Actually, all the gifts 
that we receive from God, when he releases his power, he doesn't do it because we're well polished, because we're perfect, because we fast enough, because we pray enough. He does it because of his grace. He wants to give us what we don't deserve. He wants to display himself in us. So my challenge to us really, guys, is this. Let's resolve to be people who value the presence of God. Let's resolve to be people who want to encounter him for what we do. Who want to encounter him in our corporate worship together and in our own time alone with him. A people who choose to worship Jesus in the good and the bad. You know, people who want to to honour him with our whole lives. And I really believe that as we set our hearts on worship, as we set ourselves on loving him, we will see greater power in the context of these meetings, but also we will see greater power and impact for our lives as well. Amen? Why don't we stand up? We're, gonna, we're just going to invite God's presence.